0: You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Harris Beach Podcast. My name is Brian Carnivali. I'll be your host for today's episode. Nursing homes in New York and across the country have become hot zones in the spread of COVID-19. This has led to a broad call for investigations at multiple levels to find out what happened and why. The State Department of Health and Attorney General Letitia James are looking into nursing home compliance during the outbreak. At the same time, state and federal officials are also calling for investigations of their own with a persistent question. Why did this happen? And what was the role of state policy in this tragedy? The scrutiny of regulators and investigators, according to the governor's orders, could put homes at risk of having their operating certificate suspended or revoked. In this environment, home operators must take a proactive approach. Assuming that you're doing the best you can and that investigators will see that isn't enough. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Terry Flynn, a former U.S. attorney, now Harris Beach partner with our Government Compliance and Investigations Group, and Eric Bach also a member of that GCI team, as well as our healthcare industry team, and an attorney with several long-term care clients. Terry and Eric will discuss preparing your organization against liability and compliance risk, critical actions to take during an investigation, and post-incident measures. Eric, Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. It's very difficult to say exactly how this will all play out, of course, but it's very clear that long-term care facilities need to be ready. Before we talk about how they should respond during an investigative phase, I want to just talk more generally. Eric, what are some of the ways that long-term care facilities and similar organizations can address liability and compliance risk on a daily
0: basis?
2: Yeah, Brian, it's a great, great question. And uh, before, before the, the risks and potential liability issues can be addressed, first they, uh, they have to be identified. So, when we reference long-term care facilities, there's obviously a a whole spectrum of facility types and licensure categories, and depending on the specific type of facility, the uh, risks and liabilities that uh, that they're dealing with may vary. But at a very high level, at a macro level, each uh, facility, each provider type will want to get together a a specific plan to assess their uh, individual needs the needs of their staff, the needs of their, their employees, their residents, and as part of that the identification as they work their way through identifying the uh, potential risks and issues, there's also an, uh, an assessment piece to that. So if you pull together a plan, and that's a large part of what we do is working with individual facilities to identify potential risks and issues, pull together a plan, and then engage in a risk assessment as to how identified issues are going to be addressed you know, one, one of the primary challenges in this environment is dealing with identified issues that facilities have limited time, limited resources to address, and also uh, the situation where, um, which I assumed it, Terry may address later on, where you have individual directives, objectives, or requirements that may be conflicting. So when we say, uh, how, how do you best address these? First, uh, get a plan together, first identify them, rank them, and then uh, engage counsel or, or consultants, advisors, to, to work through a risk assessment as to which issues will be addressed and how. Are there some of those issues that would
1: be considered higher
2: priorities? You,
1: you, know, you, you mentioned limited time, little limited resources. If there are a couple of areas to be strengthened, where would you start?
2: Yeah, that's a, a, another good question, but this one has a, an easy and short answer, right? The uh, first and foremost, the priority of these facilities are the patients, or their residents, the uh, the individuals that uh, that they care for, and then that have entrusted their care and safety to to the facility. So when we discuss plans, and and again, potential uh, risk, liability, compliance issues, investigations. The, the driving force in in those analyses is patient care, resident care, and ensuring that the safety and um, health of of individuals is for you know uh, first and foremost, but protected highest on the on the list.
1: So Eric, after resident and patient care, what will be next on the list?
2: Yeah, for most of our facilities, next in line is it's the same answer, and that's the the, the protection of the safety and health of their staff and employees and the, the vendors they use in connection with, with providing patients and residents with care. So whether it's their doctors or nurses or uh, aides, um, ensuring appropriate PPE, assuring uh, appropriate breaks, protections, precautions, um, all of that uh, ranks very high on, on the list and when we assist clients with bringing these plans together, uh, first and foremost, as we said, patient and resident care, and we're, we're shifting to looking at uh, employees and, and again, uh, human safety, safety of individuals. And after that, you know, we're really looking at whether it be reimbursement requirements, licensure requirements. But all of that is secondary to ensuring health and safety of the individuals that are actually on site uh, in the facilities. So
1: uh, we should probably be clear. We're in no way talking about avoiding responsibility, clearly long-term care facilities owe a duty to the public and the residents and staff to comply with, with all of the state and federal regulations. That said, and generally speaking, how difficult is it for facilities to meet or exceed those state and federal standards?
2: Tara and I have talked about uh, this issue because it's a hot topic now and you, you hear lots of folks asking about it and and sometimes you hear that phrasing, avoiding responsibilities or avoiding or failure to satisfy certain responsibilities or obligations, but that's, that, that's not really a fair posturing or, or description of the question. As we, we said earlier, in some cases, satisfying quote-unquote all uh, ostensibly applicable requirements is, is a, an impossibility, right? Because you'll have certain, whether they're state and federal requirements, whether they're for licensure or reimbursement, as we had said, or whether they're patient or resident care guidelines. Uh, Not all of those requirements um, butt up against one another uh, cleanly, right? Some overlap and some conflict. And and that's really the purpose of pulling together a plan is to identify the primary objectives and then to sort through the applicable requirements and limitations and to make a purposeful decision as to how an individual facility is going to address those, those issues. And that that documentation piece of it really can't be overlooked, uh, right? As as you talk through responsibilities and avoiding responsibilities and saying, well, no, that's not really it. It's more a situation where in certain instances, all responsibilities can't be satisfied. That's when documentation becomes critical, right? Any deviation from your standard practices or protocols, or any deviation from an applicable requirement should be purposeful and documented. Sometimes individuals will, you know, they're moving fast. They're quote unquote, doing the best they can. As you you said uh, uh, just prior to introducing us, you you know, everyone's doing the best they can and and pulling on the the laboring oar, but on review that that may or may not be um, enough or may or may not have been the most appropriate. So if there's a deviation from a particular requirement, so some, to your question, some responsibility that's not being satisfied, there should, it should be purposeful. It should be knowing. It should be with approval of either the, the ED, the administrator, or the board. Um, and it should be for a specific purpose, which is generally going back to your second question, uh, it's generally to ensure increased patient care uh, or safety, safety of, of employees. So you, you, you may have uh, various requirements that, in satisfying them in this particular environment, it's deemed to be suboptimal uh, towards resident care or safety. And in those situations, a facility may very well make, make the knowing, the knowing and purposeful decision to uh, to not satisfy a particular requirement in furtherance of ensuring the, the, the safety and care of the, of the individuals in the facility. Thanks for that, Eric. Terry, turning to you for a second. So
1: should the situation turn into an active investigation for a a long-term care facility? I'm sure it's extremely concerning. What are some of the most important elements of any response to an investigation? And and again, where should a long-term care facility, what should they do first?
0: Well, as you said, Brian, at the beginning of the call, what we are faced with today is both state and federal authorities identifying that there should be some form of investigations conducted regarding not only how the nursing homes or the adult care facilities responded, but as well how the regulatory authorities responded and did they provide proper guidance. So in this situation, as Eric mentioned, where issues of documentation, safety of the clients, of the patients, safety of the employees is paramount. It'll be very important that in this situation, as well as any other situation when you're a facility of this nature, that you have already a documented plan, as Eric said, a plan that identifies the state protocol that applies to your type of facility, as Eric said. Depending on your type of facility, there's different regulations under the law. So, let's say if you were a nursing home versus an adult care facility, they would be different to some degree. And therefore, your plan should have documented the differences. And most importantly, the regulatory requirements that that facility must meet. Second, it must identify the risks that are apparent in that type of facility and what you have done, at least in writing and in protocol, and hopefully through safety training and through purchasing of supplies and preventative material to your employees and the patients. And third, what is your detailed response going to be? in such a crisis have you planned it out so to your question about what you could be doing as an investigation comes first of foremost, you would hope that you have a divisor and a plan that denotes your compliance and knowledge of the state and federal regulations relative to your facility that you have practiced it in some form or fashion and trained your personnel in some form and fashion as to how the plan should operate and then you can then properly delineate it by showing that you've documented compliance. So as the investigation comes into play, you're gonna need to marshal together that plan, which has all those elements I talked about, and marshal together, as Eric described, that documentation that you hopefully have created that will demonstrate to the investigators and to possibly the prosecutors and or the media and or federal or state people, and most importantly, the stakeholders, which is the family of these patients or the family of these employees, that you responded properly. And that documentation will show it. You find in investigations, and you'll find this even in a court of law when a witness is testifying, that contemporaneous statements, contemporaneous recordings have stronger credibility because they are a reflection of what occurred at that moment then something written days, weeks later when everyone has time to kind of clean it up and make it look better and put a bow on it. So if you're recording contemporaneously that day, what is happening and what you're doing or what you're trying to do and what maybe the government is telling you in response when you seek advice or if they're not responding to you, as you document it, that'll be very strong evidence both to the government and in your defense to the media, and to the families, that you did something. So documentation is paramount. And as you've seen recently, Brian, both federal and state, both federal congresswomen and congressmen have spoken within the state of New York. State Attorney General has announced that she's going to do investigations. The governor has announced that the Department of Health will do investigations. And there's various comments being made back and forth here as to what the facilities did, as well as to what the government did or did not do. So if you document what you're doing, and you maintain those records properly, and you then can parallel them to the plan that Eric identified, you will be in a much stronger position as the investigation starts that you are able to immediately demonstrate to the regulators how you responded, how you documented your care and your reaction to the risk at hand.
1: Thanks for that, Terry. A follow-up question, clearly a facility is going to require counsel as they embarked on an investigation, is responding to an investigation something that a long-term care organization's general counsel would typically handle? uh, Or does it require sort of augmenting
0: with a special set of legal skills from outside the organization? You will find as you talk to regulators, both on the state and federal level and various facilities like this and other companies that have been through similar proceedings, that they have found out under the current law that you will need outside counsel because you will need the benefit of the attorney-client privilege. The ability of an in-house attorney in any company to assert the privilege of attorney-client and then to protect what is disseminated has been seriously eroded by the courts in the past few years. And so in-house counsel is limited in their ability to prevent anyone from seeing everything. Yet, when you retain an attorney, like you do in any situation of any matter every day, the attorney is able to do an assessment and to give legal advice in a privileged manner so that you can make full knowledgeable decisions without being worried that everything you do is being subject to review. So when you retain the outside counsel, he or she can obviously provide the advice, assess the plans, assess your documentation, and give you the guidance to deal with it immediately and professionally. And if you don't have the outside counsel, and obviously someone listening may say, well, isn't that interesting? It's an attorney saying it, but it's reality, everyone. And if you don't have an outside attorney to work with you on the investigation, you don't have the ability to later assert the privilege when it's needed to protect you and to protect your operations.
1: I want to close with with one last question for, for both of you. In the aftermath of the pandemic or having investigations, how can facilities use the events of the past few months to improve? You know, what are the questions they should be asking? How can they capture the best practices um, so that moving forward, uh, plans and structure are in place? Well, I'll tell you what, I, what
0: I've learned in my time, both as a former U.S. attorney and now as a private attorney representing individuals and entities. There's one very well-known company that I've worked with among many that always has a meeting after there's an incident. And regularly, it was an eye-opening experience. Day in and day out, we would be in meetings and they would constantly say at the end of the day or at the end of a moment, how could we have done it better? How could we have done it better? They constantly assess the situation and acknowledging that even though they may be good at what they do, no one's perfect. And that's important that the government will be reminded of. But if you're able to demonstrate and you go ahead on a positive way, and regularly looking at how you could have done it better and taking notes and assessing it, you will be the better for the experience going forward. And I have recently met with quite a few general counsels in the upstate New York area. And in a meeting, I listened to these upstate counsel give their different experience. And they covered everything from real estate to entertainment to health care, to education uh, to commercial real estate. And they had different experiences, obviously, in this situation but you learn from these general counsels that the more that they took a moment to evaluate it and to take note of what they did right and maybe didn't do as, as well as they could have done, they're the better for it. And you could see in the room as I talked to them they were more confident going forward that they had done that. So constant reassessment, constant reevaluation of what you've done as you move forward through this crisis or as you move forward after this crisis, will make you the better facility, the better manager, the better operator as you move forward. And more importantly, will help you demonstrate to the government that you're a healthy, proactive individual and entity. And you'll know, as I'm sure many of you read a lot, that in today's world, both federal and state regulatory, the government will constantly ask whether you You have a plan that is viable, that is alive, that your compliance plan is active, and as a result, you're able to demonstrate that you're constantly changing it and modifying it at hand. You do that, not only you'll be the better for it personally, but you'll be the better for it defense-wise when you have to demonstrate down the line the government or anyone else that you you did the best you could to prepare for the crisis at hand and you continue to modify it as you move forward. So that's my personal experience with the clients and the people I've worked with, and as well as the government
2: itself. I, I agree with Terry 100%. The ongoing reassessment of both the good and the bad is, is critical. And, and as you go through this, this pandemic, this crisis, and as providers are uh, constantly faced with new challenges, uh, their their compliance plan and their processes are being tested and how they respond to those tests and those challenges hopefully is, is with ongoing refinement, right? What worked and what didn't and uh, proceeding. And, and at the end of it, you'd be in a position of having a more refined plan, a more refined process, and hopefully being in a, a more buttoned up position going forward.
0: Brian, I can add to what Eric said. The reason why we're on this podcast is to share with people thoughts as they deal with the crisis at hand.
2: specifically these
0: adult care and nursing home facilities. So when the government comes knocking on your door, And from what they're telling us, they're going to, when they come knocking on your door, you have to be able to respond quickly and professionally. And that first impression is important. And you have to do that by, as we noted, proper documentation, professional uh, compliance plan that identifies the risk, and obviously preparing yourself to show to them that you've worked with your consultants and your lawyers to properly plan going forward with crises. Everyone isn't perfect. But obviously, you're doing the best you can in the circumstances and the advice you've been given. And if you do that, you will put yourself in a stronger position when you have to sometimes confront and counter the representations or the questions that are being thrown at you uh, by the government. And, And you do that by working with the attorney and learning how to document and plan accordingly. And if you do that, you're going to give your attorneys yourself a strong upper hand When you have to counter the allegations or the dispersions that are being made against your facility, you'll be able to demonstrate that you operated properly, you complied as necessary, and you believe that your facility and you are not legally responsible or should be subject to any types of fines or suspensions or even revoking of your license for the work that you provided or the services you gave.
1: Eric, Terry, thanks so much for joining us. That was a very insightful, hopefully very helpful discussion. For more information, including how to reach Eric and Terry, and for a link to our New York Healthcare blog, where we'll continue to explore these long-term care issues, visit www.harrisbeach.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach Podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your
1: podcast.